Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Why don't you find John's Gospel chapter uh, 17? John 17, we'll start there in a minute here. Gospel of John chapter 17, you got it? One person, praise the Lord. Anybody else got it? All right, John 17. And uh, we'll begin here. Let's get a chance to get settled down here. John 17, verse 14. Ready? Ready? All right, Jesus said, this is Jesus praying, what we call the high priestly prayer where he prayed for his disciples, but he wasn't just praying for them because he said he was praying for them that would believe on him through their word, which that's all of us. Right? Some way or another, we've all believed on Jesus through these uh, early apostles' words. They took the gospel. Amen. And so, thank God for them. Amen. And he said, in verse 14, he says, I've given them uh, thy word. Well, what a great gift. I said, what a great gift. And the world hath hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. You know, the world's not going to like you if you're a follower of the Word, right? You know, if you're just a lukewarm Christian, then they might be all right with you. But if you're an on-fire Christian who lives by the Word of God, there's going to be a lot of people that don't like you. And it's not, you know, there's, there's people that don't like me, if you can believe that. I know, you're shocked. But, you know, and, it, and really it has nothing to do with me because they don't even know me. It has to do with the Word. Amen. And so, then it's the same way with all of us. You know, if we're going to try to be liked by the world, now that, that doesn't mean we go out and we're just belligerent and, you know, we're hard to get along with. No, it just means that we, because there's light in us, it exposes the darkness in them. And men that don't know God love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so... You know, as a pastor, it took me a while to figure out why some people just kind of turn on you. You know, it's like, I'm still the same person I was when you first came here. I haven't changed. But I've had that over the years where people turn on you and they go sour on you. And then, you know, I learned, I learned, you know, after you do this a while, you learn some things. How do you know that? You, you know, it's like Brother Hagin said, you know, after so many years, you ought to just fall over some things. Amen stumble over others and so you know i learned this that when when people are you know people sometimes will come to the church and the pastor you uh, they love you you know and all that and um and everything and everything's good for a long time and all of a sudden they start going getting cold to you you know and next thing you know they're they're gone you know well, what i found out a long time ago is because they they start they start doing what jesus talked about here they start they start getting what, what well actually what jesus was what we're going to read here is jesus is praying that the church isn't worldly and they start getting worldly see and it's not that it's not you that they really don't like cuz you're still the same person you always was it's them that's changing on the inside and they don't like that light that's inside of you yeah. amen and so they begin to get cold towards you, you know, and I, you, you used to think, what did I do? You know, I mean, I, I don't know what I did, you know, and uh, but I've just learned a long time that that's, it's not that, it's that, that they're getting worldly and they don't like that light that's in you. You represent 
the light. Amen? So you have relatives that don't like you. Am I talking the truth tonight? We do, don't we? we have relatives. And why don't they like you? They don't like you because of what you stand for and what you believe in. Amen. Well, you speak the truth today, and man, you get a lot of haters today because we got social media. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's just all over. You know, some of the people that are hated today are some of the best people on the planet. But that's what Jesus said would happen, didn't he? Jesus said, they didn't like me on social media, they won't like you on social media. All right, now notice this. He said, verse 15, he's talking about for us, you know, his believers, I, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil, sometimes I say the evil one, or, keep, or you could say this, keep the world out of them. I don't want you to take them out of the world. I mean, God wants us in the world for a reason, but he doesn't want the world in us. Amen. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about the spirit of the world. We don't want that to be on us. All right. And so he said in verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is true. So how are we going to be set apart from the world? By the word, right? By the truth. Jesus said, I'm sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart. I'm set apart by the truth. Set them apart by the truth. The word will set you apart. So, I mean, you got to do something like the Apostle Paul said. You got to renew your mind. Remember what he said? He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable for God to ask us to do right things with our body and present our bodies in service to Him. It's just reasonable. And, um, and that you be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many know that scripture? Yes. How many know where the, the address of it? Where's it at? Romans 12. Romans 12. Chapter 1. Yes. Chapter, 12? chapter 12. What verse? One okay, all right. At least the preacher's got it. <laughs> Praise the God. I already knew that. I'm just checking on you all. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about it. Now, 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 why is it just reasonable? Because God bought us. We're bought with a price by the precious blood of Jesus. See, if he hadn't bought us, guess where we'd be going? No, not New Jersey. Hell. My mom was witnessing to a guy at a gas station. You know how they, remember the old gas stations where they used to pump your gas? And he was cleaning her window, you know, he's cleaning her windshield. Remember they used to do that, clean your windshield, with well, that, that thing out and clean your windshield, you know. He was cleaning her windshield, and she said, do you know where you're going to go when you die? He said, to New Jersey. She said, I got a feeling you're going to a lot worse place than New Jersey. Help me know, Jesus redeemed us from hell, didn't he? He bought us out of the slave pit. The word redemption, where it talks about being redeemed, means to be bought back from the pit, pit of slavery. We were slaves, servants to the devil, and Jesus bought us back. I remember that day. Oh, what a glorious day. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed. Come on. My sins away. Well, it was a happy day. Why? I got bought back. How many know there's two things a, a slave needs to know how to do? Number one, how many know when you, if you're a slave, your body's not yours any longer. You just don't go do what you want to, right? You don't just don't go, well, you know, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to go play golf. 
You can't even do that with your boss today, right? I mean, some of you, I think, can, the way some of you take vacations. But anyway, uh, I just never have figured out how that worked. You know, I, got, I know people that take vacations every, every, every third week. I mean, how does that work? I, that never worked for me. They, they fired us for that. But anyway, I'm glad you got it figured out. Praise God. One guy told me, I asked him that one time in our church. I said, how is it you take some of I'm not. I don't care. I'm just ribbing him. I'm having fun. I, I'm, I'm glad you can but I'm just ribbing him. So how, how do you take so many vacations? He says, well, you taught us about prosperity. I said, okay. Now, how many know if you're a slave, if you're a servant, what do you, you present your body. How many know your, your body's in service for the master, right? Right? And guess what? Your mind has to be renewed to think like your master thinks. You can't just like the master says, do it this way, and you go, well, I think I got a better way. How many know that doesn't work? I mean, no, we don't have a better way than God. And, he's, and, and, you know, we're his sons, we're his daughters. Yes, absolutely. In position, in rank, in privilege, we're his sons, we're his daughters. But we also choose to be his servants, which we're going to serve him, right? That's our choice. Paul uses the word bondservant. When he said, I'm a servant of Christ, he used the word bondservant. The word bondservant means I could be free, but I've chosen not to be. My master set me free, but I've chosen to stay because I love my master and I'm going to serve him. So we have to, we have to, we have to change our thinking. We have to, I, I just remember when I first got saved how my, my thinking just got so radically changed, as everybody's does, that comes into the kingdom. But some people have a lot worse messed up thinking maybe than other people do. And I had some messed up thinking about life and about how things worked and everything. And when I got a hold of the Word of God and began to find out what the Bible had promised me, and, you know, I, I just remember those days when I learned that I had a covenant with God. I thought, are you kidding me? I've got a covenant with God? I don't know why the church didn't know that. You know, when you look in the King James Bible, uh, or in many of the translations, they, they say New Testament and Old Testament, don't they? Testament's just another word for covenant, new covenant and old covenant. You go, well, I didn't know we had a covenant with God. Well, you don't even have to read the, you don't even have to read the, the words that are in the Bible. Just read the, the beginning of it. How many follow what I just said there? To find that out, you don't have to read where the Bible talks about having a covenant. Just read New Testament, Old Testament. That means covenant. Well, who's it with? It's with us. Hallelujah. And when I found that out, man, and I began to find out, you know, what God thought about sickness? You know, religion had taught that God would make you sick. He would do things to you to teach you. Or maybe you miffed him that day. And so he put a curse on you. I mean, that's not God at all. Right? And so, yeah, I began to have my mind renewed. I, I, I remember, you know, as a sinner, sometimes some of my friends would do things, and I would think, honestly, I'm not making this up. I think God's liable to get us for the night's over for doing that. I mean, I had a friend one time, we were in a car together, and he saw a possum in the road, and he went and ran over it. And I thought, you know what? God's probably get us before the night's over. I really did. I thought, man, you know, God, I mean, you know, which is dumb. How many know that dumb? You know, I mean, hey, even, po even possums got to live somewhere, right? How many know why the possum crossed the road? <laughs> to show the armadillo it could be done. 
That's a Texas joke, all right? But, you know, you, 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 go, you, you begin to get your mind renewed. You begin to quit thinking like the world. You, begin, you quit thinking about, you know, like the world thinks about money. Have you ever been out to eat with sinners and uh, maybe family members and they're not saved? And you're going to, you know, they're, they're wanting to figure out how to divide the check. We'll put these three on this and these two over here and these six over here and these eight over here and these nine over here. You know, put them on. And, and, you know, that little lady's just got all these tickets. And then you step up and said, put them all on mine. And they're all like, are you kidding me? This isn't the way finances work. I mean, you know, it is the way they work in the kingdom of God. Because that's sowing seed, right? Amen. I've seen that before. I really have. Where, you know, people thought, well, what, what in the world is wrong with you? You're, you paid for the meal? You paid for everybody's meal? Yeah, everybody's meal. See, they don't think that way. Amen. But, but God thinks different, doesn't he? Amen. Jesus fed 5,000, right? Talk about, talk about a preacher that took people out to eat. I mean, 5,000 plus women and children. So God, God's not small-minded thinking. You see, sometimes if we're not, if we're not watchful, we can, we can allow the spirit of the, the maybe we don't have lack, but we can have lack mentality. You've heard, we've all heard stories about people that, you know, when they died, they, found, they, they went through their possessions and through their home and found out they were multimillionaires, but they lived in poverty. They drove an old beat-up Ford truck. And, <clears throat> all right, <laughs> you know, and they lived in, they lived in poverty, they lived in filth, they lived in an old house, you know, and if that's what they wanted, that's fine. But bottom, they just had that poverty mentality. Like someday, you know, you ever met people that every tub of butter they save? Oh, I'm sorry I preached about you. But anyway, I mean, because you never know when we're going to need that tub of butter, you know. And that's the way these people are with their money. You never know. How many know God gave us money to enjoy? He gave us richly all things to enjoy. Not to be foolish with, but to enjoy. Amen. And so, all right, moving right along. Now, now, look at this. Let's finish reading this out because there's some other places I want to go tonight. But let's finish reading this out. Verse 17, he said, Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Well, in John 8, 12, Jesus said that uh, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall have the light of life. What was Jesus saying? Well, Jesus was come, he came into this world as the light of the world. In other words, he gave us light on how to walk. In other words, we can look at Jesus' life and we can know how life's supposed to be lived. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? So what did Jesus do? We look at what he did. Well, how I many know oh, he was a blesser, wasn't he? He was a giver. He was a healer. He was a truth teller, wasn't he? Right? I mean, he spoke the truth. And so, you know, people, if they understand this, Jesus came so that the world could see how to live the higher life. God's got a higher life for us. 
And he came to show us that way. And he said, I'm sending them into the world. He's sending us into the world so that the world can look at us and see there is a better way. Amen. See, if we, if we live like they live, then they're not going to know any different. Right? See, if, see we're saying this, and, and I'm, I'm battling this. And I've been battling this for years, and I'm going to continue as long as the Lord puts it on my heart to do it. I'm battling this, this compromise in the church. This, I, I think you could call it backsliding. I think you could call it falling away. Really, there's some denominations that are totally have fallen away. They're in apostasy right now. Totally. Totally. They're gone. They're no longer the church. Their candlestick has been removed. And there's another major one, which if I call them out, I'd offend two-thirds of the people in America that heard it, that are on their way. When their leader says, God blesses certain things like same-sex couples, where do you get off getting the right to do that? God's word says something totally different. Oh, he says, love everybody, bless everybody. God's not mad at you. He's not, he's not out to hurt anybody. He's out to help people and get people delivered. But you can't bless what God cursed. I'm not talking about cursing people. I'm talking about cursing actions. Certain actions are cursed. And if I was in a church like that and my leader got up and spoke that, I'd be in a different church like the next day. That'd be it for me because you've taken the place of God. You're not God. You can't call what's right what's in and out. God calls what's in and out. We don't have any right to do that. We just, we just say what he said. Jesus came as the light of the world, praise God, and he sent us in to be light. How can we be light if we're yielding to the darkness, if we're compromising with darkness so that they won't persecute us or hate us, so they'll like us? Jesus said if they like you, there's a problem. Now, of course, there's always going to be people in the world that are searching for God, right? And they're going to look, they're going to search you out. See, I've always said, you know, when I, before I was saved, I just know this. If you were doing stuff that I was doing and you tried to witness to me about Jesus, it's not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not going to believe you're any different than I am. I, I had to see some people that were living it. Amen. That had the joy of the Lord. Amen. You know, you get people knock on your door. Would you like to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life so you can be just like me? No, thank you. I'm depressed enough. <laughs> Send somebody with some joy. There used to be a guy in our town, before I, you know, when I was young. You know, he was a bigger guy, chiseled, good-looking man, blonde-headed, muscles. You know, he got old and I changed, but he was in those days, and he, he loved Jesus. And man, he was so full of joy. When you'd run into him, you just feel the joy coming off of him. And he'd witness to you about Jesus, and he had joy about him. Uh, you know, this guy's got something. I'm not ready for it yet, but he's got something. And this is the real deal. He didn't come at us like, you bunch of heathens smoking dope, you know, drinking beer. Hey, that's what heathen do. How many know that? Well, not all of them, but the ones I knew did. See, we're not there to condemn them, but we're there to show them. See, people think, you know, that it's all do's and don'ts. No, it's about living a life of victory in front of people. Living free from sin. Living free from bondage. Living free from all that bitterness and wrath and strife that the world's in. Right? All the relatives fighting and you're not fighting. 
Yeah, but it's about the inheritance. You know, it's just better to just say you can have it and keep your Christian witness. Boy, I had a soft spot in the floor there on that one. But money's not everything, right? I mean, being happy and being peaceful, having joy, not being in strife. Families fight over money. It's like, I'm not fighting over money. You can have it. You can just have it. We're talking thousands of dollars. Oh, like God can't help you, can't make that up, can't help you? No. See, I, I'm, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, just being a, you know, walk, walk on top of but I'm also, I'm talking about, man, just don't, it's better to just keep your Christian witness, amen? Now, let's finish reading this out. Look with me uh, at, um, come on, are you getting something tonight? He says, verse 19, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. In other words, Jesus came here. He lived that life before us so we could see the truth and we could follow it. Hallelujah. How many know Jesus prayed for people to be healed, didn't he? Well, how many think we should probably follow that? Right? Right. That was his example, right? He says, now this is, where, this is where I was talking about. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So Jesus is praying this for us. How many believe he got his prayers answered? Yeah. We just need to accept this and say, praise God, amen, I, I'm, uh, I'm not going to be worldly, amen? Yeah. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know, these messages like this, we, we have to be reminded, don't we? <clears throat> because, you know, there's a lot of pressure. You know, they talk about peer pressure. You know, when you was a kid, the peer pressure, how many remember that? You know, to be like everybody, to dress like everybody. You know, I, my, the, the thing about my family, you know, people will get this. Some of you will get this. Uh, we didn't have the money to buy that stuff. So we had to improvise. You know, today, you know, jeans that are ready for the trash, they cost more. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all wear those kind of jeans? Nobody? Well, they're not sin, but you're just getting less. You're not getting as much material as when you buy the good old-fashioned type of blue jeans, right? I mean, if you want them like that, buy the good ones and cut holes in them and keep it for patches, you know, in case you get holes in those jeans, you know, in places where you don't want holes. But I remember in my day, you know, there were certain things, certain kind of tennis shoes and certain kind of jeans, you know, this is going to date me, but one of the things when I was like, I don't know, I might have been 19, something like that. One of the things, 18, 19, that, that hit is Levi came out with stone-washed jeans. Is anybody old enough to remember when that was a big thing? It was a big thing. Well, you know, my parents wouldn't buy them for me because they cost more. You're just going to get the old-fashioned denim blue jeans. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, so I learned. You got to improvise. I would take a towel and soak it in bleach. A little water, a lot of bleach, throw it in the dryer with those jeans and run them. And that towel, that bleach towel hitting those jeans would stonewash them. So I had stonewashed jeans. Some of you just learned something. You can fix your kids now, see? They want stonewashed jeans? Just stonewash them yourself. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but anyway, praise the Lord. 
You know, there's pressure. I talk about pressure. There's pressure. There's pressure. How I many? You got to learn. You got to learn to be the pressure, right? You know. The, you know. It, and people think pressure goes away when you get older, but really, there's still pressure. You know, your neighbors and all that. You can let them pressure you into, you know, believing things that you don't really believe. You know, accepting things. No, I don't accept it. I accept what God said. I'm going to be sanctified by His Word. His Word is the truth, right? Not what somebody else says about it. What he, it doesn't matter what they're saying on TV. They don't know what truth is. But the Word's truth. Hallelujah. Look what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, <clears throat> verse 12. Paul said, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is, from, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So how many of there is a, there, that when you got saved, God didn't give you the spirit of the world. Right. He gave you the spirit of God. You already had the spirit of the world. Right. When I got saved, the Lord gave me the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. Right. You know, when you're saved, people get confused about this, but when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Right? right? right. Now there's a further thing where He comes upon you to empower you. It's called, we, we always called it the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being endued with power or sometimes some people refer to it as being filled with the Spirit. It's all the same thing. But, you know, John's the one that said He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. See, Jesus would. And so those disciples, you know, that were in with Jesus in, Luke, in uh, John 21, the Bible says that Jesus, His disciples, remember His disciples, right? It says he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, did they receive the Holy Spirit? I said, did they receive the Holy Spirit? Well, he said they did, right? So they did. So what happened there? They were born again. But yet those same disciples, he said, you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. See, he said, he said the Holy Spirit's going to come on you not many days from hence and you shall receive power after he comes upon you. That's power for being a witness. See, that's dynamis power. So when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get something extra that you didn't have. And so if the disciples needed it, how many know we still need it today? All, all the writers of the New Testament were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we still need it today. Why for? Because we receive something. We receive power. People say, I don't feel like I got any power. Well, you got to step out and use it. You don't always feel power. I mean, no electric electricity, you don't always feel the power. Yeah. I've felt it before. I really prefer not to feel it. <laughs> I have. It's just like, I don't like that, you know. First time I felt it, I've told you, when I was four years old, and I stuck two copper wires in the outlet at, in mom, mom and dad's bedroom. I felt power. I don't care for that. I'd just rather have it. You know, the refrigerator's working, the TV's working, the lights are on, the furnace is working, garage door opener's working, all that. Amen? But we haven't received the Spirit of the Lord. Well, who's the Spirit of the Lord? How many know Jesus said Satan's the God of this world, didn't he? So there is a Spirit of this world. All of us walked by that. That doesn't mean people out in the world are all demon-possessed. It just means they're under the influence of the evil one. See, Ephesians talks about before we, were, before we were quickened and made alive, we walked after the course of this world, after this, this, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Right. We were walking according to that. That had an influence on our life. 
And guess what? When we got saved, we didn't get the spirit of the world. We got the spirit that's from God. Amen. See, But there's too many believers still want to walk by the worldly spirit. Boy, I got quiet on that. When we want to walk by the spirit of God. See, the worldly spirit, what will the worldly spirit do? Well, it'll cause you to be worldly. What, what, what are we talking about worldly? Well, you know, how many know... Uh, have you ever heard the term ungodly? What does it mean? It's void of God. Right? Remember the uncola? Okay, I went a little too far back for you some. But, you know, 7-Up used to advertise as the uncola. Remember that? I don't know whether they do anymore or not, but they used to years ago. And they called, we called the uncola. What does that mean? There's no cola in it. That's deep. Right? Who wants cola that doesn't have cola in it? What does ungodly mean? There's no God in it. See? And this is, this is the way the, the world is. It's not that everything in the world is wrong. It's just there's a lot of ungodly stuff out there. And that's what Jesus was praying that we wouldn't be a part of. We wouldn't be a part of that ungodliness. Not that everything in the world, because the old Pentecost used to take it. We don't want any of these. We don't want any of this world's old goods, and they didn't have any. They were broke, busted, disgusted. But that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about you can't have any money, you can't have any nice clothes, you can't have a nice home, you can't have a nice car. Because we go back, you know, you go back to the holiness days, it was all about how you dress. Well, you should dress decent. The Bible says we're supposed to dress modest, right? 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 You're not supposed to show things you're not supposed to show. Christians need to know that. You know? And so anyway, but they, it, was all, it was all mainly geared toward the woman. She couldn't wear any makeup. You know, she couldn't wear any jewelry. She couldn't wear any nice clothes. She couldn't fix her hair. Brother, I'm glad we're delivered from that. I always like what... Like Brother Hagin said, even an old barn looks good with a little paint on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> how many know that's not holiness? You know, that women wear their hair, and I'm not making fun of people that do this. If this is the way they feel like they should serve God, that's fine. But, you know, they'd wear their hair like the Tower of Babel. <laughs> Remember that way up there? Now, if, you want, if they want to do that and they feel like that, that listen. Fine, I'm not condemning you. But I'm just saying that's not holiness. You could be like that and still be mean on the inside. You could be ungodly inside. You could be doing wrong things in private. Right? Holiness is how you live. It's being sanctified by the Word of God. It's, by live, it's, it's living by every Word of God, not just your favorite Word. Because they would preach about this. About, well, Peter said you're not supposed to plait your hair or wear gold. But it also said, and putting on of apparel. So if we're going to take it literally, you're supposed to not wear any clothes. Right? I mean, if we're going to interpret that verse the way you're interpreting it literally, Peter was talking about don't let that be your adornment. Let your adornment be your spiritual man. He didn't say don't wear it, but don't let that try to put you over in life. Adorn your spirit, man, with the, with the Word of God. That'll put you over in life. Amen. Now, so the spirit of the world. He said, we haven't received the spirit of the world. Well, thank God we haven't received the spirit of the world. Can you say amen? 
All right, let's, are, are you good? Let's do, the, let's do a couple more things. Let's go to 1 John. Let me see if I want to go there. 1 John chapter, well, I don't know. No, let's go to 2 Timothy. Forget 1 John. Go to 2 Timothy. I wanted to go to 1 John. Well, go there after the service. Go to 2 Timothy. I want to show you something here. <clears throat> couple verses. You remember Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon? Now, what was he talking about? Well, mammon is like the pursuit of worldly things. Mammon is the pursuit of riches. It's like putting an over-undue emphasis on riches. Now, here's the thing about that. You don't have to have money to have that spirit on you. A lot of poor people have that spirit on them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they, they, they're stingy. Amen? Yeah. Is this all right? Yeah. You know, see, here, here's what happens. You meet, you meet people now, listen now. You meet people and, and they want everybody else to bless them. But the same laws of sowing and reaping work for poor people as it does for not so poor people. Right? right? And I meet poor people, all they want you to do is a handout. Every time you see them, I'm thinking, when's the last time you sowed some seed? When's the last time you tithe? Now, why should I help you disobey God? <laughs> this is a good preaching today. I don't know what going to tell you now. See, you know, because people don't understand. This, it, it works for you just the way as it, the same as it does for me. Oh, yeah. I, I've gone into places that were poverty and, uh, you know, and they, and, and they get that mentality that they're always looking for a handout. But then occasionally you'll meet somebody in that group that they start sowing. And when they do, God starts prospering them. A minister, he said one time he was going over to the mission field. I can't remember what country he was going to. It might have been Kenya. <clears throat> and he said when he, he said they told him, said, now, you know, because I preach prosperity in poor places, really. I've preached for Pastor Gary. We've preached in some poor places. And, you know, normally he just, you know, he'll, he may have a theme for the meeting or something like that. You know what, what I mean? Let's talk about the Holy Spirit when you come. Let's do this. Let's do that. But I remember one time going to place this pre preach, and it's poverty. It's poverty. And he said, he said I'm going to give you some notes, just some things I want you to preach on. Because, you know, I'm good with that. I'll, I'll do that. I, I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the head here, and I'm, you know, I'm just uh, there to serve. And so we're going to this place to preach, and it's poor. It's poverty. And it's a, it's a message on prosperity and about giving. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I just let it rip. Praise God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, hey, man, if it works for me, it works for you. The Word works for everybody. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, you say, well, I don't have anything to give. Well, then, you know, God, ask God for seed to sow. It says he supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so anyway, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying this tonight, but people sometimes need to, they need to think different because that's the spirit of mammon. You know, I want to get everything I can get from me. How many know you got to quit thinking about you? You know, and quit being stingy. Amen. And be a liberal giver. Right? 
You know, I, I talked about one time, one time about how much we'd given away in our church, and I think it shocked some people. I just shut up about it. But I mean, if you're not ready, if you're not ready to believe the word, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I believe the Bible. I believe in sowing, and not just barely getting by. Oh, I got my ten percent, and praise God, I'm good. Well, that's good, but sometimes God, you know, is is looking to bless you even farther than that. Amen. Praise God. And I've had people in this church, honestly, I've had people in this church that have given me things. I wanted to give it back to them because I knew, I, I knew that they needed it worse than I did. But how I many know it's not about that? It's about allowing the seed to be sown. One of the first lessons I learned as a minister is, is through Brother Eddie. You know, I mean, you know, people try to bless you and give you money, you know, and I wouldn't take it. And he rebuked me one time. He said, he said you better learn how to receive. You're a giver. You better learn how to receive. I said, okay, sir, I got it, I got it. And I realized what he was saying to me is you're shortchanging people from a harvest. I mean, what if the field said to the farmer, you're too poor to put seed in the ground. Keep it. I mean, that's a dumb thing to do, right? To keep your seed, you've got to sow your seed to get a harvest. Some people, well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I, you know when my ship comes in, pastor, Honey, you got to ship. You got to send a ship out. Hmm. Amen. And so you can, you know, you know, people that came up through the, and I understand this really. People that came up through the Great Depression, a lot of those had this mentality of lack because they really had lack. You know what I'm saying? We think. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I only got anything, you know, just 5000 a bank, a cell phone, iPad, computers, a new house, new car, you know, three weeks worth of food in the fridge. But, man, I'm telling you, it's tough. I mean, they really had it tough. You know, my, my, my grandpa uh, talked to me sometimes about some of the things that he made, you know, like $9 a week, you know. And, uh, you know, just living in poverty. And they had that, they had that mentality, and, you know, it, it, thank God. And that really, really, honestly, that passed on to the church. That was in the church. When Brother Oral Roberts came along with seed faith, man, I'm telling you what, it wasn't well received. But those that did receive it started getting blessed, right? And then, and then came along, and now the church knows a little bit about some of these things, Right? Right? And God's taught us that, look, poverty's not a virtue. It's a hardship. Paul called it an affliction. Amen. God wants to help us out of it. And part of that, of course, is our sowing. Amen. But like I said, sometimes I've had people give me things, and I want to give it back to them. And I've made that mistake before. And, you know, they, you know I've had people tell me, you don't want me to be blessed? Well, no, I want you to be blessed. Well, then... Receive my seed. Well, okay. Amen. All right, right. How many know that? See, I, here's another thing we've got to learn. I, I bless people sometimes that don't need it. I, if from the financial standpoint, they don't need it. Well, I wouldn't do that. Well, you've got to listen to God because maybe they need some encouragement. Maybe they need some love. Man, I've given... You know, I bless my pastor all the time. Birthdays, anniversaries, Pastor Appreciation Month, just for the fun of it. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got more money than I do. But it's not about that. It's about the honor thing. And it's about obeying God. Amen. All right, now, did you find First, uh, Second Timothy? All right. Look at this. Chapter 4. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He said, do your diligence to come to me shortly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. That is a sad scripture. That's a sad, why, why is that such a sad scripture? Well, let me just ask you this. All right? Who do you think, outside of Jesus Christ, has had the greatest influence on the church? I would say Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We learned about the doctrine of grace through Paul. We learned about different things through the Apostle Paul, through the revelation that he got. He, are y'all with me on this? I mean, when I think about powerful people in the church, I think Jesus first. Why? He's the head of the church. We wouldn't even be the church without him. But then I think about the Apostle Paul. How could you leave the Apostle Paul's ministry? What kind of feeding are you getting? I mean, where are you going to go? Well, I'm going to look for a, a, another church. You know, Paul's just, he just not preaching the way I like to hear it anymore. You are dumb. I said, that's dumb. Because what happened? Demas let the spirit of the world get on him, and it cost him the plan of God for his life. See, God hooked him up with the Apostle Paul. What an opportunity. What a blessing to be in the ministry with the Apostle Paul, to be working with the Apostle Paul, but yet you let that spirit of the world get on you, and it's a strong pull, and it'll pull you right out of the will of God and right out of the plan of God. Man, I've seen that happen with people in churches, and I know you have too, that they get that spirit of the world on them, and it pulls them right out of the plan of God, right out of the will of God. God's got something good for them. But the spirit of the world pulls them out. We don't want that. Amen. We want to stay sanctified through the truth. <clears throat> you say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't think I need this. Well, yes, you do. We all need it. We all have to be reminded, right? We all have to be reminded. Now, <clears throat> well, we got a little bit of time left. Let's, let's, let's look at this. And um, I tell you what, go to, we're close. Let's go to the book of James, chapter 4. James, the fourth chapter. When you get saved, Paul the, Paul the Apostle said this, <laughs> like this. It's in Galatians where he said, he said, uh, he said, I, I am, uh, he said, I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. In other words, there's something happened at Calvary that set me free from the world. The world's no longer fit for me, and I'm not fit for it. But see, a lot of times this isn't taught to believers, that when you come into this kingdom, man, you are, you're, 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 you've been given a different spirit. You don't, know, you don't have to think like the world, talk like the world, look like the world, walk like the world. It's different. There's a higher life for us. Praise God.
There's a higher way to think. I appreciate all the medical community and all that they've done and all that they do, but I don't let them be my final authority on anything either. You know, now if I go to a doctor for advice, I take his advice. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm just simply saying they're not final authority in my life. God's word is. I said God's word is. A minister, he may be in heaven now. It's been many years since I've seen him. But um, when I knew him, we were preaching in um, like uh, meetings uh, at, at the end of the year together. This one church would have meetings every, every December to close out their, the year. And I would speak for them every year. And he started coming to speak. And he was, a, he was an older guy, uh, t- t- you know, to me. Um, but he, had, he was just full of energy and full of life. And he told a story. He said, you know, he said, when I was, uh, I was pastoring in a certain town, and he said, you know, I, I was pastoring a denominational church, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. And he got a hold of the faith message. And he said, you know, they kicked him out, you know. And he said, uh, he asked God, he said, well, what do I do now? You know, I mean, I don't have a church any longer. What do I do? And the Lord spoke to him. He said, I called you to this city. You start a church in this city. Well, I mean, that wouldn't be wrong because they kicked him out, right? So he's not really being unethical. And besides, they don't want the message he's got anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not like he's doing anything unethical. So he stayed in that town, and he started a church, began to pastor it, and he began to have some problems in his body. He began to feel bad, and he went to the doctor, and they ran all these tests on him, and finally the day came when they had all the results in, and they called him in, and they said, you know what? said, um, you have cancer, and it's very bad. You know, it's, it, it's, it, you've only got at the most six months to live. That's it. And they said, uh, now we can give you these treatments, but you're not going to live. Well, he just said, you know, well, why take the treatments if I'm not going to live? And he said, you know, he said, what I did, he says, I put my clothes back on, you know, after all the, you know, the final exam and stuff they did to him. He said, I went out in the driveway or the parking lot, that is, of the church or the, the doctor's office. And he said, I said to God, I can't die. I'm not done. You call me this city. And I'm not done. I can't die. Now, when I was preaching with him, that was 10 years ago. He's still preaching. He's never been declared free of cancer. He's never gone back. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just telling you what he did. He's never checked it. Why? Because they told him we can't do anything for you, so why go back? So he went to the one that could do something for him. See, the world just takes that. And when you got that worldly thinking, you just take that as the final authority. Now, what they told you may be right, but it's not final authority. It may be the facts, but it's not final authority. Final authority rests in this book. And so he got a hold of that. And 10 years later, you know, that's, he's, he's lived nine years and six months longer than they told him he would. He's still preaching. He's still healthy. It has to do with renewing of the mind, not thinking like the world thinks. Amen? Now, I want to emphasize, I'm not saying the medical community is wrong. I'm just simply saying, you know, they tell you many times what they found. That's what they found. It's there. But we call those things which be not as what? As though they were. We don't call things that are as though they are not. 
We don't say, no, no, you're wrong. I don't have that. No, you have it. But guess what? We call ourselves healed. Right? We say what the Word says about us. See, that's, that's, get, that's, that's why the Spirit of God came in you, so you could freely know the things that are given to you of God. That's why He came inside of you, so that you could know those things. That you don't have to just think like the world thinks. And just, you know, if they say, well, you know what I'm saying, how many times have they tried to restart COVID? It's just a constant thing, trying to restart it and restart it and restart it. But you know what? Listen, thank God. COVID was real. People died from COVID. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying it was a made-up thing. It, it, was, it was real. But people die from the flu. Well, let's move right along because I don't want to get political with you, but I could give you some facts. But move on. Let's preach the word. How about that? All right, you're, you're James, we're closing right here. <clears throat> Look with me at verse 4. James is really, he's really sweet about this. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. What does enmity mean? It means to be in conflict with God. Whoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. How many know if you're friends with the world, you can say you're a believer, but you're an enemy of God? That's what the Bible says, right? Amen. But yet we got, we got so-called Christians today that they want to claim to be believers, live, claim that they're right with God, but live in the world. How many know that's, that, that's contrary to the Scriptures? I said that's contrary to the Scriptures. Do you think, verse 5, that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us, the King James says, lusteth the envy, or uh, yearns jealous, jealously. See, when we got born again, we did not receive the spirit of the, but the spirit which is from God. So the spirit of God's in us, and when we're living in the world, it makes him jealous. He doesn't like that. But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. How many know, if you'll just humble yourself and say, whatever God said is right, how many know God will give you grace? Did you know people that are dealing with people who are dealing with same-sex attractions and all that? I I know there's people that the devil, listen, listen, how many know the devil messes people up, right? And, And, you know, sometimes we look at them and say, well, man, how could you be that messed up? Hey, you were messed up. Maybe not in that way, but you were messed up, right? Well, listen, what you have to do if you're ever going to get help is you have to first admit God is right. Humble yourselves, and then God will give you more grace than that thing that's attacking your life. But you've got to do your part and humble yourself. Well, you know, I'm wrong. God's right. Well, that goes a long way. We're getting some help. God will give you more grace. Don't try to justify it. Don't say God made you that way. God never made anybody any way. He has never made anybody to be something he's, he's forbidden. He's never done that. That's pride. And that's why they call it pride. What do you think they call Because it's pride. Humble yourself and say, okay, you know, I got this issue. God, here's what you said about it. I need some grace. I need some help. I mean, he'll give you more grace. That's what it says. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he, God saith, he said, God's resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Listen to this. Submit yourself to, to, submit yourself to what he said. Uh, therefore, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he'll do what? 
See, if you just admit the problem you have is, is not right, and you go to God and say, this isn't right, I desire to do this, you got to help me, God will give you grace. When you submit yourself to God like that, if you'll resist that, the devil, because it's from the devil, he'll get out of your life. But you have to do something, don't you? Verse 8, finally. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Hallelujah. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How I many we need to be single-minded on how we're supposed to live our lives, right? What's that? Our guide is the Word of God. Amen? Our, I, you know, I don't know if, when the Lord's going to let me, but I've got a teaching. I want to, I want to do a series on wisdom and how, you know, our wisdom comes from the Word. Hallelujah. And how we have to go back, you know, because the Bible talks about in the last days that people will give heed to uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. That means they're listening to what they say instead of what God's Word says. And their lives will be destroyed. And that, that's, that's something we have to watch out for, that we don't listen to doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. And the only way we know the difference is, like Jesus said, sanctify them through the truth, the Word. Thy Word is truth. Hallelujah. I mean, if God said it's an abomination, it's an abomination. It's just the way it is. If God said don't do it, how many know don't do it? And any time my life has ever gotten in trouble, <laughs> has anybody ever gotten in trouble before? Of course. Any time it's because I either did something God told me not to do or I didn't do something He told me to do. Every time. As long as I do what He says, everything's fine. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.